When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom here at U.S. Bank Stadium on a Sunday evening. I am Kyle Mankey, Lions beat writer for MLive. Joined as always by Ben Raven. What a scene, Ben. 30-24 to 24 win uh, for the Lions over the Vikings. A thrilling win where they held off a late comeback attempt, securing their first ever NFC North title, their first division title of any kind since 1993. It was a wild scene downstairs in the locker room. Oh, it really was. You know, I mean, uh, we're waiting outside the locker room for a very long time, an extended period of time today, longer than usual. And Sheila Fordham comes out and all I could hear her say was 30 years, 30 years and something about champagne or beer. And then it was just like, man, that was just like when I joined this beat five years ago, I didn't think things like this were possible for me to see at least this early on, you know, it's just, it's just kind of been like an crazy out of body experience here tonight. Like absolutely thrilling. I was among five reporters. Uh, and first of all, if I sound weird, it's cause I have, this is my Jordan game six. I, I feel like, um, wrapped. <laughs> we're sitting diagonally from each other. So he doesn't talk into my face. Yeah. The CDC is definitely not going to like this. Um, <laughs> But no, I, I was in the room then with five other reporters when Sheila Hamp um, met to talk about the the fate of Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn, that those guys were getting um, another season in 2020. Ended up being the wrong decision. Set them back a little bit. They used that topic on Jeff Okuda. It, obviously, it didn't work out. And I think since that moment, Sheila has set into motion a series of, of decisions, uh, power plays, organizational restructures, whatever. I mean, like there's like, they changed the carpet in Allen Park. Like there's nothing that's the same from when I was covering this team years ago. And it's amazing to look back on it and to think about all of the things that have gone right, starting obviously with Dan Campbell and what, you know, he's basically the heartbeat, the the ethos, the culture of this team. This team really takes on Dan. But then the personnel decisions by Brad is just uncanny. I mean, I think we forget about the Jared Goff trade sometimes or, or underestimate mm-hmm. how great it was. But Goff is playing like superb football. And they got three draft picks in that that trade too. Uh, Jamison Williams, um, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta after some subsequent subsequent trading, plus um, Efedo Malafanu who had the game-stealing pick today in Minnesota. And that that's just one deal. I mean, bringing in veterans like Alex Anzalone, uh, bringing in Gibbs and Laporta, who were kind of, right, like there was a lot of hand-wringing yep. about uh, positional value and all that kind of stuff in the draft. And I was guilty of it. I, I didn't see the value in the picks, even if they were good players. And now they're good players for a really good team and really important players. It, it's just, that's how you go from the basement to the top in three years. You just hit home run after home run. I'm on Ross St. Brown in the fourth round of the draft. It, it, like you can go up and down this roster. And I was thinking about that. That's what I was thinking about in the locker room, just looking around. Like I've, I've covered good players in Detroit. I've covered Calvin Johnson, but, I, but I've never covered a team that's this deep. And it's just after three years of just killing free agency, then draft. And it's, 
It's a damn good team. Yeah, it was a very focused and precise thing by Brad Holmes, how he's done this over the last couple of years. We've seen the increase in free agent spending. We've seen draft risks like last year, obviously. I mean, the Gibbs pick shocked us all, but it's like you see the freaking vision. It's unbelievable. And uh, talking with Alex Anzalone, you mentioned him in the locker room. It's like, it's a, it's a bare bones question, but it's like, what makes this team special? And he just said, we embody who Dan Campbell really is. It's impossible not to embody who he is, what he's about when you step in front of that guy every day. And it's just Sheila Ford Hamp. That was a risky move. What pairing Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, two virtual unknowns, yeah. two guys that weren't connected, gave them 50, 50 roster share, but they had a feeling that, I mean, it's that story. Rod Wood, like, what was it? Five minutes into his meeting with Brad Holmes wrote down. This is the guy. It's just like that gut feeling of like, these are the guys. And it's just unbelievable. This is year three, man. 11 and four division champs. I mean, to be fair, when you're coming off three years of map, Trisha, <laughs> yeah, this is when you have a couple of sweethearts sitting in the chair across from you and Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell, and both are, are tough football men who are just the kindest souls, uh, you're going to like them. And that, like, we're joking, Ben, but that was a big so reason why they targeted guys like that, because they knew the fracturing that had occurred in Detroit under the mm -hmm. previous regime. And I'm talking in the locker room. I'm, I'm talking about the, the relationship between players and the coaches. I'm talking about the front office. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the organization. The organization was basically split into two and like marketing people and stuff like that weren't even allowed to talk to football people. Yeah. It was toxic. I mean, we've all talked about it. We all know about it, <laughs> but it was, it was as bad as, as you've heard. And that's a big reason why they brought in Holmes and Campbell, re restructured the organization of, of management, given those guys equal shares of the roster. Uh, Campbell has incredible say on the construction of the team. But ultimately, Brad Holmes is, is, is uh, you know, uh, constructing the roster, pulling most of the strings in that regard. And he, it, his hit rate is just remarkable. I mean, you, you can go up and down the team. Like even a guy like Khalif Raymond, yeah. like you signed him off the trash, trash heap, Guy's an all-pro return man, you know? I mean, there's just... Amon Ross St. Brown is probably the best example. That mm -hmm. guy was a fourth-round pick because he's not that big, not that fast, but they loved the culture fit. They loved the tenacity that he that he brought. The, they, they saw it in the blocking. Um, and now he's one of the most ferocious receivers in the league. And when you can hit on a fourth-round pick like that, it's going to supercharge your rebuild. When you hit on a uh, you know, a QB swap like the Lions did. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, they lost a good quarterback. Matthew Stafford, it's a good quarterback. He went to the, the Super Bowl in LA, obviously. But they got a good one in return and they got him for, for pennies on the dollar because it wasn't working in LA anymore. People thought golf was done. And for half a season, he didn't look good in Detroit. And ever since he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league, nearly flawless today, Ben. 30 of 40 passing, 257 yards. Uh, he had the go-ahead touchdown pass to Amon Ross St. Brown. And I was really impressed with what I saw in the in the third quarter. Um, the, the, the Vikings had pushed ahead. And then you have a 13-play drive for a touchdown and then a 14-play drive for a touchdown. That's 14 points. It gives you a lead you never relinquish. And you burn, like, what is it, 15 minutes of clock or so. Um, that's winning football. And it was closer than they would have liked in the end. Yeah, uh, Minnesota is pretty good. And that's a good defense. And they scored 30 points against the number one defense in the league. Yeah, and I was pretty concerned about Goff in this one just because Brian Flores has had his number whenever they've met up. And, I mean, the Vikings, I mean, you see it, how they play. It's like, oh, my God, first and second down, send the freaking house, third down, drop eight, and dare you to kind of fit a tight window. And on that first possession that the Lions scored, that big first possession, go up 7-0, I think it was about midfield, third down, Goff avoids two sacks, steps up into the pocket, 
gets St. Brown enough time, fires it downfield. And that's kind of the moment I said to myself, like, oh, okay, like they've got it figured out here. The offensive line was strong. And I thought Goff, I, I'm not going to call him a game manager in the sense of the Cam Newton phrase <laughs> in terminology, but I will say he managed this offense. He has continued to manage this offense to just an unbelievable degree. And I mean, you saw that comfort, you saw that confidence today because I mean, he, he did the things that you would expect him to do. He fed Amon Ross St. Brown on third down and he spread the ball around while leaning on that running game for the majority of this one. I mean, they held the ball for, I think almost 18 minutes longer than the Vikings Four yeah. scoring drives with double digit snaps. You don't get that without good quarterback play. Yeah. They won this game based on, wearing the meat grinder of the rushing attack, but you don't win this game without Goff making those plays on third downs when they needed them to. Heck, they even used them on a quarterback sneak, and they don't do that too much. <laughs> it's remarkable stuff, especially after everything we heard all week about the uniqueness of mm-hmm. the Vikings defense and all the cover zeros and all the eight-man drops and the the, the wreckage they were um, of the offenses they faced all year. Uh, number one scoring defense in the league. And the Lions hung 30 on them. And yeah. it was a good effort. It wasn't like their best effort, though. They went kind of uh, silent after the, after the first drive in the first half. Still scored 30 points. Um, I was really impressed, Ben, with, I mean, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. Like, what more can you possibly say about this guy? You know, he leads the league in 20-yard carries. He had another one today. Uh, 100 yards from scrimmage for, like, the third, fourth straight week. Uh, scored two touchdowns, including the three-yarder. Uh, that that gave them the, the the final cushion they needed to withstand the, the Vikings comeback. Um, this kid is so good. Uh, he is so electric. And on a day where like David Montgomery is a really good player, the Vikings defense did a pretty good j- job on Montgomery. He had 55 yards and 17 carries. But it was Gibbs who was able to kind of pop that top off uh, on, on the defense and really keep the, the offense alive. And down the stretch, they really leaned hard on, on the rookie. Yeah, and uh, asked David Montgomery after the game, he was dealing with an injury, or uh, he was asked about it in the locker room, and he said he wasn't. He's like, that's just the one-two punch. Sometimes they're going to lean on me, sometimes they're going to lean on Gibbs. And I will say this, there's not a lot of rookies who respond the way he did to that first-half fumble, because that that was a potentially brutal mistake there. The Vikings had a chance to swing this game. I mean, he got upended midfield, lost that ball clean, and he bounced back, and he was, man, he just looks like he's flying out there compared to these guys' son. I, I couldn't believe he got shoelace tackled on that one run to the end zone. I thought it was a no-doubt touchdown. So props to DJ Wonum before the injury. But, yeah, Gibbs, man. I mean, it's hard not to look at this game and most impactful top player of the game. It was him. I mean, it was him. Yeah. Apologies for the cough. Again, I'm fighting the flu here. <laughs> I, I deserve a raise for this. <laughs> uh, shout out to my editors. Um, no, but Ben, I, I was another thing I was really struck by in the in the locker room uh, after the game. I, I thought a lot about you know the old heads like Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnall. I mean, those guys really with Penesu, obviously they they form the ba- they form the backbone of biggest strength on the team. Um, they're really good players, and they've both seen the deepest depths you can possibly see in the NFL. Like just so much losing. Uh, Taylor Decker went to the playoffs as a, as a rookie. That was eight years ago. Hasn't been back since. Frank Ragnow was in last place his first four years in the league. That guy is a spectacular player for a spectacularly bad team. And he just plays through everything. He plays through a fractured throat and doesn't allow pressure. He, he comes back a week after meniscus surgery doesn't allow a sack. I mean, this guy is made of stone mm-hmm. and he's done it for a team that never rewarded him with anything resembling success. And and now they've they've turned a corner. Um, really interesting comments, I thought, from Decker and Ragnow 
after the game. Maybe we can run some of the the locker room audio at this point because I think they really capture the the spirit of this moment, which has been 30 years coming. You know, <laughs> Campbell called us up and it, it got pretty emotional. It's just kind of a overwhelming feeling. Um, I mean, you guys know, the fans know. There's a lot of hard work that goes into this uh, day in and day out that a lot of people don't see. And uh, to kind of come up short for years and years and years in a row and then uh, to reach this, and this is just the beginning, but just to reach uh, division champs, uh, the, the word there's not really words that can describe it. And I think, uh, you know, I was looking at Taylor and we both just started crying. It's just like emotions overcoming you because uh, you don't realize how much it means to you until it happens, you know? Man, it's been, you know, eight years and it's like, I honestly remember the times where, where we were the joke and, you know, people didn't respect us. Um, and to be able to be here from kind of digging ourselves out of that hole to a team that's being able to play, you know, meaningful games this late in the year, um, you can't say enough about it. And I can't say enough about my appreciation um, for my teammates and then the coaching staff and just kind of their unwavering belief that we're going to get this thing right and get it done. Um, it's just special. We've got a special group of guys. we got, you know, special staff, everybody in the building, and then, you know, just, just for the city, I think back to last year, um, the Green Bay game, and just like the flood of messages I was getting from fans and how happy they were. Um, and just, just to be able to continue to give them something to be proud of is, is special because, you know, football means a lot to people. It means a lot to the people in our city. Um, so, yeah, it's, just, it's been a long time coming. You know, you hear a lot of crap, you know, the, the teams come in the four field teams play us here, teams plays wherever. And uh, you don't really feel respected over those years when you've, you've got those three win seasons, those four win seasons or whatever. And to be the, the driver's seat in the division and to, to be the feared, if you will, uh, it's an incredible feeling. And I think it's just the start. And uh, I just appreciate all the people in that locker room, man. There's a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes that you guys don't see, a lot of ladies that you guys don't see, a lot of people that put in a lot of work, play through a lot of stuff. You guys heard about my knee. There's a lot of people that play through a lot of stuff and tough out stuff and work hard. Their families make sacrifices. And uh, just to be in this driver's seat, um, it's, in, it's an incredible feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a lot of pent-up emotion. Um, just, to, just to want to be respected as a team and, and, and to be looked at as a winner. Um, and yeah, I've cried plenty. I cried more today than I have, I don't know, probably my whole career. It's probably most I cried. Um, just because it means a lot to me. Like you, you just spend so much time putting into it and to be able to, you know, have the, you know, the NFC North Championship in, in return for all the stuff that you've put into it. It's just, it's, it's special and it feels good. And it, and it makes you appreciate kind of the hard road to get there. Ben, I know you you spent a lot of time in the locker room after the game. What did you feel when you were when you were in there? You know, it was I was oddly taken back by just it felt more hyped up. The music was blasting. Guys were clearly having a good time. Romeo Carr is walking around with the video camera and getting moments and stuff like that. But it was like, yeah, like we did it. This was our goal. It's on to next week. We have a massive game next week. But it was like Alex Anzalone even admitted he's like, we don't feel the weight of the last 30 years, but it's definitely something off our back. It's definitely something we get to stop hearing about now. So it was just like, 
I was impressed with the maturity, to be completely honest with you. Like, that's a big moment. That's a big moment for this franchise. People back in Michigan are losing their freaking minds right now. And these guys were just bumping to some tunes and having a good time. I mean, champagne wasn't flying around. I wasn't too sure what I was about to be walking into. But just, you could just see Decker, Ragnow, and Goff. They had a pretty nice moment, the three of them together, before they took the podium. That was pretty cool to say. And I just got to give a shout. This was Decker's best game of the season, I thought. He was great. He was fantastic. He gets overlooked so much because there's that 23-year-old freak on the other side of the line than him. But, like, the pass protection he had today, he's not just the longest tenure player. He's not just the mascot for, like, the public-facing moments like this. I mean, he is one of the most important players on this team, and he was awesome today. So just cool moments for all of them around. I mean, those are good dudes, and it's, it's like, man, players like that, dudes like that, deserve to be in moments like this. What's going on, everyone? Ben Raven with MLive's Detroit Lions Beat here. Just want to point in the direction of MLive's new Dungeon of Doom Insider Tech service. Sign up now for a 14-day free trial. And then after that, it's only $4.99 a month to text with myself, to text with Kyle Monkey, and to text with Corey Woods. And not only are you going to get updates and analysis from us with some one-on-one individual conversations on the side, but you're going to be on the front line to be featured on MLive's Dungeon of Doom podcast when we come calling for mailbag questions. Once again, check out joinsubtext.com slash Dungeon of Doom. 14-day free trial, $4.99 after that. And yeah, they've just been around so for so long, getting their you know, their faces smashed. Yeah. And, um, you know, they deserve something good to happen. I mean, Taylor Decker was crying before he even left the field. Yeah. Then he was crying so hard um, when Sheila Hamp gave her uh, speech to the team. He didn't even hear what she was saying because he was crying in his locker. This clearly means like you, yeah. you as fans think, yeah, this means so much to me. And I want players to, for it to matter as much to players as it does for me. I'm sorry, but this is like professional sports, like most of the time, if not all the times in, in many ways, they're not going to bleed with the team. Like you do, they, they care yeah. so much because of their career and they want to win for their teammates and stuff, but like, they just feel differently about it than fans do typically. And I think what Taylor Decker feels for the Detroit Lions, what Frank Ragnow feels for the Detroit Lions, their understanding of what the you know the Detroit Lions have been, what it means to turn a corner is it's the it, it's the bedrock of culture. And for as much as we talk about the young guns like Amon Ross St. Brown and Panay Sewell and Aiden Hutchinson and Brian Branch and Jameer Gibbs, I mean these these guys are the the the, the new face of the team. They're leading the way in many regards. Um, but having guys around who know what it's like to lose and to lose big and to lose bad. I think that's a really important part of culture building. And we have been talking about culture building for for three years, Ben. Um, (laughs) But at some point, at some point, culture building, like these good vibes, the the character of your team, um, everything else that we talk about, the chemistry, um, it has to turn a corner. You, You have to, at some point, put what you were behind you or it will always chase you. And that is what the Lions accomplished today. Yeah, 100% so. And I mean, gosh, man, this game even had like the hints of like classic Lions losses, even Kaminsky not picking up the fumble and kicking it back and then Jefferson immediately having the big play. So it's just like, this just got to be a big sigh of relief from the roster to the fan base. And just I I think we talked about it last week, you mentioned the vets that have been through those tough years, It, it really is an impressive construction. There's not a lot of vets that have on this team, there's not a lot of vets have played in meaningful games, but they have that experience at all the right spots. You get a freak like Gardner Johnson, who's never not won a division title in that locker room. Jared Goff has started a Super Bowl. And then you get guys like Decker and Ragnar, who 
embodied this franchise like through multiple regimes and i mean truly are cornerstone pieces for the here and now in the future it feels like too so just uh gosh this was this is a very special moment for this franchise and some of those guys because this is this is year three man they traded away their best franchise quarterback the super bowl era and two years later they're mm-hmm. 11 and 4 with a division championship under their belts in a home freaking playoff game on the horizon and maybe two, depending on what happens. Yeah. The, Cowboys, the Cowboys lost just a few minutes ago before we started taping this. Um, the Lions are in that mix for the two seed along with the Eagles. Theoretically, they're in the mix for the one seed too. I, that would take a act of God uh, yeah. at this point. Yeah. But um, it's, I mean, playoff football is coming to Ford Field for the first time, Ben, and it might be for two weeks, depending on what happens in the next two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm I'm losing my ability to pretend like I'm a functioning human right now. So let's get to the defense real yes, quickly. Please. <laughs> I thought there was some really good performance performances in that side of the ball. Most noteworthily, the the takeaways, right? Like four interceptions. They I don't I mean sack fumbles that they have, like a hundred, it seemed like. Um good lord, like the Kaminsky play, the the play at the end where in, in fourth quarter, the Vikings are down by six. They're trying to drive in the final two, three minutes of the game. And Romeo Quora cuts through the 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 line and hits Mullins and separates him from the football. All you got to do is hop on that football and you have a division title. Yeah. And poor John Kaminsky just makes a fatal flaw and tries to to scoop and run, which, I mean, at that point you, you don't need yards. You just need the possession. Um, and the ball, uh, he couldn't, he couldn't corral the ball. It goes back to Minnesota. I was really thinking to myself, like, this is how it begins. Exactly. Like yeah. we have seen it. Like, this is this is the Detroit Lions. <laughs> but they flipped the script then, and it was obviously the the Melifonwu pick to end the game, the fourth of the day for Detroit. He has played so incredibly well. Only three weeks in the starting lineup, he's got three sacks, uh, a couple fumbles, fours, two inter- two interceptions, uh, or one interception. I don't know. I lose track. The guy is bawling out, and it really does raise the question to me: When CD Deuce comes back. Who takes a seat? Mm-hmm. Because Kirby Joseph has been your guy all year, but you know we saw two picks from Kirby today. But Kirby is—he's a risky player. He, he's up and down, and I think the Lions might prefer a more even performance that you get from Melifonwu and and Deuce. I, I, I'm going to be really curious to see who comes off the field because I'm not lock sure that it's going to be uh, Melifonwu because he's just been fabulous. That's I I fully agreed with that because. What we all saw today was the quintessential Kirby Joseph experience. 85 of the snaps, you're wondering, is he freelancing? Is he doing the call? He's just running around. And then the other 15%, he's making massive hits, knocks TJ Hawkinson out of the game with a legal hit, intercepts the two passes, celebrates the moment he intercepts the first one. I saw he just tweeted, y'all ain't never done that on Madden. So just, he is... He's a wild card, but you saw you saw both sides of that wild card today. And uh, I, I I think Malafonwu, with Deuce back or not, has earned playing time because he is with Brian Branch as yeah. a blitzer, pre- pressure creator, run stoppers. Those are the two dudes right there for that. I mean, I think Kirby, you got to have Joseph out there for the passing downs, the things he can do yeah. downfield. He's a field he's a field swap swapper. You saw that today. Branch is too good against the run, so it's like all of a sudden. The reinforcements are potentially on the way. Secondary depth is potentially on the way. And all of a sudden, it's just, it's unbelievable. I I was really impressed with Branch. Drops that interception, makes the pick, gets a pressure, knocks the ball out. This is stud against the run. The Vikings had 17 rushing yards. They had one first down via the ground today. And a lot of that is due to those secondary guys coming up and playing tough. But I'm with you, man. Melifanu has earned playing time no matter who is healthy. He is 
unbelievably good on the blitz. And, and maybe that's something that will change once there's film out there on him, which is piling up now. But we've watched Melifanu spin his wheels for the better part of three years. And yeah, he was injured for a lot of that. and made a position change too from corner to safety. So, you know, the, the, the development was slow, but they made that change with Tracy Walker three weeks ago. And he has been a revelation. He has been a big play machine and particularly good in the box. He's so big and long and physical. But I don't want to take anything away from his coverage. His coverage is also yeah. outstanding. He's so long. He's, I mean, I, it always like was befuddling to me to see him in the locker room on the, on the practice field. And he just cut such an imposing figure. He's so, he's not just tall, he's long yeah. and he's thick. Um, but then he would never play good football. And now we're starting to see it come together. And the lines, are, when Deuce comes back, which could be in Dallas or uh, the week after against Minnesota, but certainly for the playoffs, gives you so many options. And I think it could be a matchup game too, like you said, with uh, Melifon mm-hmm. playing more running, uh, running downs, big subsets and, and so forth, uh, while um, Kirby Joyce is, is out there playing center field on passing downs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, he looks like a NCAA creative player from back in the day when you see him on the practice field. So it's just, it's it's been a revelation that they've needed. I thought Kendall Vildor was great against the run today. He was a lot better in coverage than his counterpart, Khalil Dorsey. I would kind of expect Vildor to get some more of those snaps based on what I saw from him moving forward. But uh, it kind of seems like there's some answers forming in the secondary, and that's kind of exactly what they needed. It wasn't perfect. Nick Mullins threw for 411 yards, but he also had a a lot of chances to throw that ball around. But uh, yeah, man, arrow up, Melifano. I mean, it's just, shoot, man, he's a, he's a killer on those blitzes. Yeah. Uh, I think I count 11 quarterback hits in this game. Um, Mullins was knocked all over the place. I think four of them came from Hutchinson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, like there was decent pressure and we saw Mullins uh, separated from the football, whether it was in the backfield or down the field. Like I felt like every other play in this game and it really helped cover for some otherwise, shall we say, coverage issues that have persisted throughout the year on, on the perimeter. I think that was the weakness of the defense today, the lines ended up staying against the run. I thought they got some big plays from you know Joseph um, and uh, especially Malafanu, but on the perimeter, man, Justin Jefferson gave them fits. Yes. You know, KJ Osborne had some great plays. Like they just really have some matchup issues out there. That continues to be, uh, I think, for me, a, a big concern going into the playoffs. Yeah, Justin Jefferson. That that was a firm reminder that that guy can make a play at any time any spot on the field with any warm body throwing him the ball because he almost swung this game back to the Vikings after that almost disastrous miss fumble. And I just want to say John Kaminsky feels like the least likely person to not just fall on the ball. So that was like the most shocking part of it. But yeah, just uh, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, CD lamb, Brandon cooks. Those are your NFC receivers. It's gotta be better on the outside or you're going to see games like this against much better teams, not go this way, especially when you're not knocking that ball out every other play. That was an impressive rattling of, of names. Thank guy. you. Nice Thank work. you. <laughs> Late too. Our brains are scrambled. <laughs> it's, um, was it 30 to 24 win for the lions? It's the first division title, um, in 30 years. Um, uh, just crazy. Um, it was the first ever. <laughs> I was alive, but barely, um, <laughs> <laughs> Playoff football is coming to Ford Field for at least one game, and depending on how the the final two weeks of the of the week uh, of the season shake out, uh, it could be more than that. Lions go to Dallas next weekend for a primetime game on Saturday, with enormous seating um, stakes uh, at AT and T Field. Um, it, 
it's going to be a tough matchup, but there's a great opportunity too, Ben, in that game to yeah. continue to set yourself up for success in the postseason. And then they'll turn around and see these guys again in a matter of blinking of the eye. Exactly. We'll be back midweek with another mailbag. Make sure you get those questions in via the subtext. Go to MLive, uh, go to any line store into the bottom and you'll find uh, everything you need to know about signing up for free. Ben, I'm going to go take a nap. Yep. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, we've covered a division winner. That's, uh, this doesn't really set in. <clears throat> Not at all. An interesting way to spend a birthday. <laughs> <laughs>